0: good morning north side all right you all are such a great place i'm so excited to be here uh i, I believe that north side is a nice place and and not only do i believe that but i found out on friday night uh by an unusual situation so Uh, Last week at our church we had VBS and on Friday night at VBS uh, we have a really big fun time, uh, you know, bouncy houses and pizza and all that good stuff. And so I was supposed to be here earlier Friday, but uh, I have a 10-year-old and 7-year-old and they would have killed me if we missed the fun night of VBS. So I left, uh, we we left and came up here uh, at about 8 o'clock from, you know, middle Tennessee. So we arrived here about twelve thirty one a.m. And so we're checking into the hotel, and you know the night attendant at the hotel, she's barely holding on, and I'm trying to be friendly, you know. And, uh, and so she, you know, she, she's doing well. You know, she's, how you doing? You know, I'm, I'm all right, you know. And so she said, uh, have you been to the area before? And I said, yes, I came here uh, to speak at a church uh, at a conference last year about this time. And she said, oh, really? Uh, what church did you speak at? I said, Northside. And she looks up, oh, Northside is a nice place. <laughs> and so if the night attendant at the local town hotel at 12.30 midnight knows that you are a nice place. I believe you're a nice place. (laughs) Praise God for Northside. So, yeah, yeah. So this morning I've been given the task to speak on probably the easiest subject, sarcasm, uh, morality. Um, and, And the question is, what does Jesus say about morality? Uh, And really, to boil it down, I want to title it heart issues, because morality is really a heart issue. Now, I know we think that uh, being moral uh, is is just a good thing, and and in some ways it is, but it's more than just the random act of kindness or or doing something good for a stranger. It's really deeper than that. And so when we look at where Jesus uh, really addresses this, he takes this on head on in his premier message to the world. It's going to be found in Matthew chapter five. Now imagine the setting, right? Jesus is talking to, uh, you know, Pharisees. He's talking to many people of the general crowd at the time. And and this is his premier message, a message that the world has been waiting to hear since Christ was prophesied some 700 years prior, and he gets up, and without a funny joke to get the crowd laughing, without an introduction, he starts off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wow. Wow. And, and what he's doing here is really giving you a deep heart check. Because morality is not about you feeling good. Jesus is saying, and he's teaching, that it is about us being good. So when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now in this opening statement this opening uh, portion of this message the sermon on the mount he hits you with these uh be attitudes and basically this is telling you that how you thought and how you lived and how you function if you lived according to the way of the world it's upside down to how it functions in christ and so he says things like blessed are the Poor in spirit that's different from what we would think it ought to be blessed are those who mourn right and what Jesus is doing in these beatitudes is he's telling us watch this that we are not human doings but we're human beings see when you focus on doing and doing and doing and this is what the Pharisees would have done at the time they they did things I'm going to tell you They did things to a high level, but their heart was in the wrong place. See, one one would say, Yeah, I give 10% of what I have. And the next guy would say, Well, yeah, I gave 10% of my fruits and vegetables. And then another would say, Hey, I gave 10% of my herbs. Could you imagine sorting out 10% of your herbs? But they did all of that. Watch this but their heart was in the wrong place. See, they used morality as a way to make them feel good because many of them thought they were better than others anyway. So whatever good thing I do, yeah, it's about me feeling good and your heart is in the bad place. So we're not human beings. We're We're not human doings, rather. We are human beings. And what Jesus is doing is hitting us at the heart of us. To understand that the heart, out of the heart, flows our attitude, our application, and our actions. See, how you feel about God's word and how your attitude is towards God determines how you apply Scripture. How you apply Scripture informs how you live it out in your daily life. So your attitude informs your application. Your application informs your actions. If your attitude is off all the way down, your actions will be off. You might do good things, but if your heart is in the wrong place, it's not glorifying God. See, you'll get to a place where you'll even interpret God's word that it doesn't have anything to do with you. I lived this as a kid. Uh, I I can confess to you guys, we're about family now, right? So as a kid, uh, my stepsister was down for the summer and had a cousin over. And um, when I came in from playing outside one day, walked into the house, I smelled the most wonderful smell you could smell during the summer. Fresh chocolate chip cookies. Oh, you could probably smell them right now if you think about it. I mean, it's... So, I'm, so I'm, I come in, and, and, and they were sitting on the counter, and as I go into the kitchen, uh, my stepsister and cousin, they said, oh, your mom said we can't eat those. And as I get the cookie, I said, she told y'all, y'all can't have any. <laughs> See, my attitude determined that that didn't have anything to do with me, Right? And how we interpret God's word, if we can interpret it out of us, we can feel good about ourselves, but still not apply God's word. That's how you get people like Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, right? But at some point in his life and in all of his wisdom, his attitude and his heart shifted from God to where God's word did not apply to him. God says, don't intermarry into those other nations. And Solomon began to intermarry in those other nations. And he didn't just marry one or two. He married a thousand, right? 700 wives and concubines. And then the next thing you know, when you looked at the palace grounds, all you saw were altars to other gods. His heart had turned. How could a person so wise end up doing some things like this? When your heart turns, your attitude about how you feel about God's word, it impacts how you apply it and how you live it out. And Jesus is hitting us right in our heart. See, it's, it's that same heart that also informs how we deal with things like murder, adultery, marriage, oaths, service, love. See, all of this flows from the heart. How we live according to those things, it flows from the heart. Let me give you an example of what Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, 21 and 22. He says, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. See, Jesus is showing you guys Thought one thing about murder, but because of where your heart is, it's not about the murder and and watching them die at this point. He says, what really took place, you murdered them a long time ago when you started hating them. So he says, you've heard don't murder. I say, don't be so angry with one another. You've heard don't commit adultery. Don't look at one another in lust in your heart you've heard about divorce right you've heard about marriage but Jesus says I want you to understand that marriage is, is bigger than just y'all getting together because see what happens if, if you view marriage a particular way then divorce will be easy and that's what was taking place at the time they were divorcing for any and all reasons he says now I say to you don't divorce except it be for fornication Guess what that would have them to do? Now, we've got to look at ways of working it out versus ways of getting out. Oh, he's hidden us in our heart. He's given us a gut check. He says, don't swear an oath. Can I tell you all about that? They were so deceptive in their language that that they would do things like this. They would say, oh, I'm going to do this. And then they would back it up with, I promise. And then they would back it up with, I swear. And they would still break their word. Jesus says, you've heard, don't swear. And oh, I say, I say to you, let your word be your word. He says, you've heard I for an eye, but I say to you, turn the other cheek. If someone sues you for your shirt, give them your coat also. If they beg of you to go one mile, go with them two miles. What is Jesus pointing out here? Jesus is pointing out that the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. When your heart is not right, even things like morality, you won't handle it right. Oh, I love what he does with this. He takes it up an even higher level. Drop down to uh, verse 43. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. Hold hold, hold on, Lord. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Love my neighbor. (laughs) It's hard enough to love my family. (laughs) It's hard enough to love people that have my same last name. And you're telling me to love my neighbor? <laughs> one time he mentioned that, and you know what one of them said? Uh, who is my neighbor? <laughs> Are you talking about the guy that lives next door to me? Like, that, that's hard enough, right? If we could just stop right there, love your neighbor, that's hard enough. But he says, you've heard right to love your neighbor. Oh, Lord, that's hard enough. But okay, I've heard that. And he says, and hate your enemy. Oh, I can get with that now. Let's be honest. Now, don't leave me out here by myself. <laughs> he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. I'm going to tell you, even as a minister, this passage convicted me. It really convicted me a couple of years ago. I had a situation that happened to me um, You know, when you think about the pain that you've experienced in life, some of the most painful hurt that you've ever felt has come from somebody that claimed to love you. That's why it hurts so bad. And I had someone that I loved and and they hurt me in a way. And I mean, it it got really bad. And it was one of those just kind of out of the blue. Why would you do such, right? And then this passage hits me because... When you think about how we deal with morality, oh, we'll do a lot with our resources, right? And our church, we give, every year, we give thousands of backpacks uh, to the community, fully loaded backpacks. We give them uh, in Jesus' name to the community, right? And it got me because I'm thinking, I can give to people who I don't even know. I can freely do that. But what about to someone who hates you? Oh, that's a heart check. That gets us. And so he's saying here, you you get the whole idea of loving those that love you back. But he says, if you just love those that love you back, what have you accomplished? But I say to you, love your enemy. Oh, Lord, what a heart check. He says, if you can only greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He's hitting them in the heart because he wants them to understand that how your heart is. If you've got heart issues, even morality, you can't live out. He continues to go on because, again, the Pharisees, uh, they were good at doing things, and, and they, would, they would take it to the next level, right? So when they would pray, uh, they wouldn't just pray to God. They, they'd go out on the street corners, and they would use all these big words, and they would repeat it and repeat it over and over again. Jesus said, don't pray like that. Go in your, go in your prayer closet and pray to your father. They're doing it because they want to feel good about what they're doing. They're doing it because they want others to think, oh my gosh, he's so holy. Look at how he prays. And sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we can worship in the same way. We want others to know that we're worshiping. It's not about that. It's about God. Amen, somebody. And so he he says, even how you fast. Oh, the Pharisees, I'm telling you, they, they would take it to the ninth degree. When they would fast, they would go into the fireplace and in the bottom of the oven and they would get ashes and they would put ashes on their face and they would go and get some old, dirty, grungy clothes and they would wear them out in public. And they would walk around and they would say, oh. They'd go to work every day, oh. And they wouldn't say, but they would just wait until you said, man, Bill, how you doing, man? Oh. What's going on, man? Are you okay? I'm fasting. She said, don't do that. Wash your face, go on, because God knows, right? God knows what you're doing and what we're fasting and praying for, God honors it. But don't do all of that stuff. See, that's what I mean when I say you got a heart problem, how you interpret it, how you live it out, it's about me feeling good and not about me being good. He would go on to say, toward the end of his, as he begins to end his message, he would go on to say in chapter 7, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Now sometimes we would look at that and we would look at the silver rule. The silver rule is don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. And that seems neat. But Jesus takes it to the higher level by adding action. Do to others as you would have them do do to you. This is a heart check. He ends his message at the end of chapter 17 by giving this analogy. You could build the house of your life on the sands of your view of morality. You could build the house of your life on on puffing yourself up and making yourself feel good. And, And while you may feel good, when the storms of life comes, your life will be in ruins. Or you can build your life, the house of your life, on the solid word of God. You can build it on the rock of Jesus Christ. And though the storms of life may beat on you, you will still be standing in the end. But someone here may be saying right now, you may say, well, well, well how, what, what if I'm in a situation where I'm seeing now that my heart is not in the right place? How do I respond? Because I, I thought I was doing well, but, but given the heart check that Christ has given us, how do I get back? Right, You know, that that reminds me uh, of a guy that we know uh, in Scripture, a guy by the name of Nicodemus. You all remember Nicodemus? When I think of Nicodemus, I I think of this picture right here. He's pompous, you know, Pharisee, He's, he's wealthy, and he probably walks around town thinking he knows more than everybody, you know. That's the Nicodemus that most of us think about but I want to think about this image of Nicodemus. Wait a minute now, wait, wait, wait. To this is the Nicodemus that in the middle of the night, he goes out to try to find Jesus. Now, let me tell you how hard that was. We read by that passage, but let me tell you how hard that was. I don't know if many of you recognize, but Jesus was homeless. How do you go out finding a homeless guy? You can't stop by his address, right? Like Nicodemus really had to be intentional about finding Jesus. He's walking through the streets. I got to find this guy. I heard him teaching. I got to find him. And, And he keeps going through and through until he gets to Jesus. And it's in the conversation that he has with Jesus that I start to recognize Nicodemus was more about the Beatitudes than many of us are. I say, what? Watch this. When Nicodemus goes to Jesus and in their conversation, although he may have been wealthy, he recognizes that he's poor in spirit. Nicodemus in conversation with Jesus now mourns the fact that he's been living and walking in a pharisaical system that really was up to no good. Blessed are those who mourn. Nicodemus is humble enough and meek enough to come and search out Jesus. Even though he may have been a Pharisee, an expert in the law, he recognizes in the poverty of his spirit, I need Jesus. Nicodemus was hungry and thirsty for righteousness. You leave in the middle of the night looking for something, you hungry for something, right? He was hungry and thirsty. Blessed are those who are pure. Nicodemus comes in the sincerity and purity of heart. So much so that even the questions that he's asking to Jesus sound elementary to you and I, but to someone who's been living in a pharisaical system, he's just coming humbly and honestly. But it's not just in that, that I recognize this in Nicodemus, but even towards, even when Christ dies. You remember when he dies and you remember a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, right? You remember him helping to bury Jesus? Luke lets us know that he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who Jesus had visited earlier at night. And Nicodemus brings to the body of Christ a mixture of of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds church I had to do my homework on that 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe in today's money is about 200,000 dollars Nicodemus has gotten to the place where it's not about wealth. It's not about a a power, prestige, position. It's about me living my life for Jesus. What is money if I just can't use it to honor him? See, when we live through life with this heart issue and how we view morality, we can be in a situation where it is all about us and how we feel about us. But after you really encounter Jesus, you learn it's not about me, it's all about him. And all that I have is his. My money, my time, my talents, my resources, it's all about him. And even how I interact with everybody else, it's all about him. How I view even the moral issues of life It's all about him. Lord, I need a heart check. Reminds me of another guy, a guy you know by the name of David. See, remember how we can get to a place where we think that God's word doesn't apply to us? David got there. As king, God lifts him to this high position. And at the height of his life, he has an affair. It gets all messy. And David, his heart was so bad, he didn't even think he did anything wrong. So his friend Nathan comes to him, and Nathan tells him a parable. He says, hey man, there was a a guy who had a little ewe lamb, little baby lamb, it was like a family member, come to the table, eat with the family. But his neighbor, wealthy man, had thousands of sheep, killed his little ewe lamb. David got so mad, he sets up on the chair, that man ought to be killed. And Nathan says, you are the man. Heart check, gut check. It got David so bad that David, in his repenting, he prays to God. You know the familiar prayer. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I want you to know this morning that we all can pray that prayer because sometimes we recognize that even in issues of morality, my heart is off. And so we go to God and we pray, God created me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. See, someone this morning may recognize that you've got a heart issue. And so this morning, what we're going to do here is we're going to pray this prayer. See, David says, and I'm going to say it again so you get, the, get a fuller understanding. He says, create in me a clean heart. God is a creator. He can create things out of nothing. God, my heart is bad. Create in me a clean one. David says, renew a right spirit in me. My heart informs my spirit. My spirit informs my soul. My soul informs my body. My spirit is sick, Lord. Please renew my spirit. He says, don't cast me away from your presence. Sometimes we want God's presence in TS. But what we really desire is his presence in CE. And he says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. See, God gave us his spirit to help us in our infirmities. God, I need your spirit to help me with me. My heart is bad. It's so bad that I don't even apply your word like it I ought to. I don't live it out quite right. I need your Holy Spirit. So right now, if you will, let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we need you. We need you now more than ever. We recognize through your word that we've got heart issues. Our heart is bad and sometimes In our religious notion we feel like we're doing much better but as we hear the words of Jesus they convict us they prick our hearts father help us with our attitude help us so that we may receive your word and apply it like we're supposed to and we know if we apply your word right It will inform our actions. Father, help us to understand that morality is not about us feeling good because when we do what you tell us to do, it may not always feel good to our flesh, but it honors you. Create a clean heart in us. Renew a right spirit in us. Father, we need your presence. And please... Give us your spirit, a spirit that will help us with us. Sometimes we get in the way. And Father, help us to build our life on the solid rock of Christ. Though the storms and the winds may blow, we know that in the end, by Jesus, we'll still be standing. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Unto him who's able to keep us from falling. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all who believe said, amen. Listen, there may be some of you that still may need prayer. We encourage you to stay in your seats as the prayer team will come and pray with you. I want to invite you to hang out with us today. Uh, We'll be having picnic on the patio. We'll have a great time in Jesus. Let these words dwell with you that God will get our heart right, that our attitude, our application, and our actions honor Him. God bless.